So this is Mother's Day, and so I, of course, uh, have just a couple jokes that I thought maybe you would like. Brought my mom a mug which says, Happy Mother's Day from the world's worst son. I forgot to mail it, but I think she knows. All right, moving on. A woman gets on a bus with her baby. The bus driver says, that is the ugliest baby I have ever seen. Ugh! The woman goes to the rear of the bus, sits down. She's fuming. She says to the man next to her, that driver just insulted me. The man says, you go right up there and you tell him off. Go ahead. I'll hold your monkey for you. <laughs> All right, two people talking. I have the perfect son. Does he smoke? Nope, doesn't smoke. Does he drink? Nope, doesn't drink. Does he ever come home late? Nope, no he doesn't. I guess you really do have the perfect son. How old is he? He'll be six months this Wednesday. <laughs> Two children ordered their mother to stay in bed one Mother's Day morning as she lay there looking forward to breakfast in bed. The smell of bacon floated up from the kitchen. But after she laid there and laid there after a good while, she finally went downstairs to investigate. She found them both sitting at the table eating bacon and eggs. And the one said, well, as a surprise for Mother's Day, one explained, we decided to cook our own breakfast. <laughs> Here's 10 things that moms really want for Mother's Day. Number 10, I'm going to go from 10 to 1. To be able to eat a whole candy bar alone and drink a pop without any floaters. That's number 10. That's really if you have little tiny ones, you know, I guess. Number nine, have a 14-year-old answer a question without rolling their eyes and like, why are you my mother? <laughs> Number eight, five pounds of chocolate that won't add 20. Number seven, take a shower without a child peeking through the curtain saying, hi! <laughs> Just as you put the razor to your ankle or whatever. Full-time cleaning person who looks like Brad Pitt. <laughs> who is Brad? Never mind, I know. Teenager to announce, hey, Mom, I got a full scholarship and a job all in the same day. Number four, a grocery store that doesn't have candy, gum, and cheap toys displayed at the checkout line. Number three, to have a family meal without discussion about bodily secretions. That's usually a boy. All the mothers with young boys go, yeah. Uh, number two, to be able to step on a plane with a toddler and not have somebody go, oh, no, why me? Don't sit here. And number one, the four words that a mother loves to hear, Fisher, Price, Play Prism. All right. Well, God has an encouraging word for all, all of the moms, and I want us to understand how important it is to honor them today. And I, I want to talk about two most famous moms, I, I think, probably in history. I want to talk about Eve, and I want to talk about Mary. Eve is the mother of mankind, as we know, and, and Mary, the mother of our Savior Jesus. You know, Eve kind of made the mess, and Mary uh, gave birth to the one who cleaned it up. So the Bible says after God created heavens and the earth, he created Adam and Eve. So as I thought about this, Eve didn't really have, if you think about it, she didn't have anybody to learn how to do what she did from anybody else. We've all, in this room, if you've had children, um, you've watched your mother or uh, a mother or your grandmother or somebody on raising kids, and, and you had somewhat of an example or somebody to go to. She 
didn't have anybody to teach her how to dress them or how to, of course, how to dress them. People are like, well, pretty tough. There's a fig leaf. There you go. Or animal skin. How, how to sit right or, you know, how to cook or, or you know. I, I just remember teaching our kids, you know, take smaller bites. You remember that? Have you ever did that with your children? Take smaller bites. You don't have to put the whole thing in your mouth at one time. Um, or how to use their fork or spoon. There was no such thing. She was the first mom, so there wasn't another one. Um, and she learned everything, I think, as God helped direct her. Now, you know, there are people that I'm sure that are watching um, and that have all been raised by maybe a mother that has nurtured them or helped them along the way. And they have had the Lord help them or, or show them, or maybe your you know, mother was a godly mother. And he teaches us how to do things. And, uh, you know, I remember my wife who, you know, when she decided to homeschool, we had never homeschooled before. I mean, we didn't know. She didn't. She started studying. And it's almost like anything else. There's a lot of people with a lot of opinions. You should do this. You should do that. And, and what do you do? And what fits you? Everything that happens isn't necessarily the mold that will work for you. But um, so, you know, Kim had to find that and say, okay, and listen in what she had a peace with. How many knows you need to be led by peace? And so she started into doing stuff. And we had different seasons where we did different things and, and we just helped each other. But Eve had a unique challenge. You know, she had time on her hands, obviously, but, you know, she didn't have an example. It's one thing. Uh, have you ever been somewhere and somebody says, we're going to have you go first? And you're the first one to do whatever, if it's a tryout or whatever. Sometimes people like that because if you go first, they kind of set the bar. And then somebody else can see you do it and they go, oh, that's how we do it. Um, or other people are like, I don't want to go first. I want to see what I have to do or see how, how bad somebody else is and see if I can do better. It really just depends on your perspective. But sometimes we've all been there where we get chosen first. But anyway, the challenge was there. How do I do this? What do I do? She had to listen to the Lord. And I think one of the first things God told Adam and Eve, among all of the other things, here's some things that you can do. Here's some things that I don't want you to do. So he would tell Adam, let's just play this out. Adam, don't. Adam says, don't what? You ever say that to your mom or dad? Don't what? God says, don't eat the forbidden fruit. Adam says, forbidden fruit? We've got forbidden fruit. Hey, Eve, we got forbidden fruit. We have forbidden fruit, yes way, yes, yes way, forbidden fruit. Why can't we eat it? We don't have the exact translation, only we have versions of that. I mean, I don't know if there's anything else said, but we have what the Bible said. That's good enough for us. But this could be one of those, if we were ad-libbing a little bit, God might say, because I'm your father and I said so. Have you ever had those kind of things as you're raising your children? I'm primarily talking to moms and dads, but <clears throat> when you're raising your children, uh, Zach, the drummer, very talented, very gifted, and uh, we had made cookies. Most kids, like most of us and most adults, would eat cookies until we were made to not eat cookies because we would eat them and then not eat whatever we're supposed to be eating. And so Kim had made some cookies, and Zach said, can I have a cookie? And I said, no, you cannot have a cookie right now, but you have to eat your lunch, and then maybe you could have a cookie after you eat lunch. Do you understand? He nodded, yes, I understand. I walked out of the room, and I heard the clink of the cookie jar. 
And I walk down, and he is up on the counter. He had moved the chair. He's up on the counter. He's got his hand, you know, deep in the cookie jar. I said, Zachary, what are you doing? He said, getting you a cookie? (laughs) Thank you, son. You're so thoughtful. (laughs) You know, there's all this stuff that went on. I mean, you know... They got in trouble for eating what they weren't supposed to eat, and, and God gave them rules, and then, you know, there was the blame game. Well, you know, he told me to, did not, did too, did not, all of that. But God, I think there's a point, you know, at that point, he gave them a choice, and life is full of choices, and they, they chose, obviously not wisely, and they had to leave the garden. That's, you know, that's kind of tough because the garden was perfect. Do you realize, I mean, in the garden, there was just basically, you talk about carry out and better than drive through. I mean, you were your own Uber. You just went and picked it and ate it. It was amazing. But I think at that point, God had had it. Have you ever seen your mom or dad have it or had it to the, you know, where they've just, that's, they've told you and told you and told you and... Mark Lowry says he wished that God would have put a red light on the back of a mother's head that would flash. So every time when she had had it, you could see it, and it would give you maybe 10 seconds to run. Because he said, you, you could move a lot, you could cover a lot of ground in 10 seconds. Because his mama would say, Mark, I've just about had it. And he would say, well, mama, help yourself. There's plenty more. I think Adam and Eve had struggles like most of us just to find out, okay, how do we figure that out? Because sometimes you can read a lot of stuff or you've learned. How many are the first children? You were the you were number one child before you had your mom and dad had any more. You're the way makers. Come on. Mallory, like she broke the mold, you know, she went through all the rough stuff. Figure you you learn a lot on what to do in your first kid, don't you? Your first kid, you're like, oh my gosh, oh, they, they sneezed, they sneezed. Or don't touch that, don't, they, ooh, they put that in their mouth. You know, by the time you have two or three kids, hey, hey, you're going to find out that's not going to agree with you. Go ahead, eat it. <laughs> I mean, you just kind of, you learn stuff. Or that kid breaks through and says, all right. You know, we learned about what bedtime was like because how we put the first one down and when did the second one and, and, and how you, you start learning those things along the way. We needed our moms. I just, you know, I think sometimes all we remember about Eve is the thing that happened that got him kicked out of the garden. But, you know, the husband was right there. He didn't do what he needed to do. But think about this. Eve had, how many, I mean, like she lived like 900 years, you know. How many kids can you have in 900 years? Moms are probably like, no, 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 don't you go there. You know, so, I mean, she could, there's a lot of kids that, you know, that were born. But think of the dates, birth dates you'd have to remember. Christmas, woo. But anyway, back then there was no Dr. James Dobson. There was no focus on the family. There was no... uh, you know, we did things now, I can't think of what it was, uh, I can't think of the name of it, but you, somebody will tell me, but I think it was by focus on the family, it was Whit- Mr. Whitaker and 
Yes, Adventures in Odyssey. We our kids love that. So you know, sometimes we'd like, hey, Adventures in Odyssey. We even had the cassettes. Anybody have the cassettes? We put them in the car and we'd travel. And the kids, you know, the great thing about stuff like that is there were sound effects, and you could almost picture it in your mind, what was happening. And we, hey, this is what's going on. And our kids would learn different things. And and then uh, there was a time frame back in the eighties uh, or in the nineties, Bible Man. You remember Bible Man? Bible. You know, and he, so our boys love Bible Man. So we traveled just to take them to Bible Man. And they got to meet Bible Man. They met Willie Ames and all of Bible Man and all of that stuff. And they had every video of, you know, the doubting guy and the fibber and all of that. And they were all about that. What I'm saying is, you know, you, you do things and you figure things out. Like, I want avenues that are going to be good influence in my children, that'll be things that we believe in or believe, you know, that are our foundation. But I think that we need to understand some stuff. Men and women are different, we know that. They see things differently, they respond differently, they're emotionally different. It takes time and patience to live in harmony with another person and you throw kids into the mix. And back in the day when Kim and I first got married, we could just be like, hey, Let's, let's go here, let's go there. And then you have a child, and you realize, okay, now if you're the, if you're the guy, okay, we got to take the diaper bag. Are we going anywhere? Do we need the high chair? Do we need the walker, the stroller? You might as well move the house. It almost feels like you're constantly loading or whatever to do. And so it's not just, hey, let's go do this on a whim. Everything starts needing to be planned out. So sometimes it's, it's very very tough. Um, as husbands, as fathers, sometimes it's hard for us to take advice, just like women. Maybe I could say, hey, let's do this. This is how we should raise our children. Moms usually have a better handle. But Kim and I tried to work together, our strengths and weaknesses, and I want to encourage you to, to do the best. You need each other. She would help me where I wouldn't see things, and I would help her maybe where she didn't see things, or just really, quite frankly, she sees things probably clearer when it comes to that than most of us guys. Because, you know, we have trouble just if our wife tells us how to drive, advice on how to get somewhere. When do you ever ask for directions, guys? Or do you, how about this? If you ever ask for directions and they're wrong, does anybody besides me want to go back and tell the guy that told you the wrong directions? Yeah. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> but she would know things. And so when it came to all of that, I mean, think about it. I, I, I thought, how did, who invented timeout? Did Eve invent that? Who invented these things, uh, you know, the wooden spoon, I don't think they had, I don't know if they had those back there. The switch. When our kids were growing up, we'd go to Kim's mom's house and she'd say, don't you use that wooden spoon. Not in grandma's house, we're not doing that. You know, because she just loved them kids. So if, if she ever had to have a spoon, it would have to have a pillow, which she never used it. But it was just, you know, because she just loved those kids. And those kids knew that. They'd go to grandma and get anything. She would keep the kids for a week at a time because we were always in ministry away. And, and her and Charles would fill the freezer with their favorite food. I mean, they, they lived like kings and queens when they were at grandma's house. 
Anything they wanted, they got it. And Charles would just say, yeah, you, you get that for them. And the kids would be like, yes. They'd get back to the house. We didn't even know who they were. <laughs> well, Grandma would have just got it for us. Grandma's not here. She was amazing. She's wonderful. You know, Eve had issues just like, you know, the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. Her boys didn't get along. You know the story with Cain and Abel. There's jealousy and pride. And so she had unique challenges as the world's first mom. And some of us, like Pastor Kim had said, there's challenges that you're facing now. Maybe whether it's with your children or just in life in general. But I, I want you to know this morning there's reassurance. There is, there is hope. If you have lovingly and persistently tried to discipline your children or give them the best advice you know, and if you're saying, they're just not listening, I'm telling you, they still hear you. You still are able to speak into their life. I love the fact that Eve had learned from the greatest father of all, Abba Father. And if we look at all of the, the people on the world, you know, the Bible says that God says he doesn't want any to perish. And as we become believers, you and I and those that are watching, we're all God's children as we come into that family. And I, I can guarantee you we all don't do what God wants us to do, do we? Me included. It's just, you know, sometimes I, I guess we're human and that's no excuse. And we just like, ah, oh, if we could go back. How many would go back and change something and do it differently if you could? We all would probably say that. Bible says in Proverbs 22, 6, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Now, I didn't give the media team that scripture. I just threw that in this morning. You know, moms spend probably the first couple years of their kids' lives teaching them how to walk and talk, and then the next 16 years telling them to sit down and be quiet. My mom would do stuff that didn't make sense. She would tell me things that were kind of like don't make sense you shut up and answer me okay <laughs> my kids to this day if I say anything wrong I could say a lot of right things they might not ever catch it but if I say something wrong especially from the pulpit it goes into the book they have a book of the breadisms that I say I'm not going to give you examples this morning, but they have laughed until their sides hurt of all of the things that I have said. Zach and Sam and Maddie and Mal and, and you know, all of the family. Oh, remember when you, yeah, 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 I remember. You know, sometimes if you've ever watched Pastor Kim and we were doing two services and we'll do those again as, as the church continues to grow, she'd be sitting here and it, it looked like her head is down. It, it, it was. She's fasting and praying. Oh, Lord, help him. Don't let him say anything. Oh, God. You know, because whatever I could say first service, she had a chance to grab me and correct it before second service. Don't say that. You can't say that. Well, I already did. I know, and you can't say that. This next service is televised. You can't say that. I'm like... And sometimes, I mean, she's probably just like, I don't know. I don't know. But they remember stuff when I say something I shouldn't have said, I guess. You ever go to a party? A kid's party? It's good to go to a kid's party. Because it'll remind you there's plenty of other children that are worse than yours. 
But once kids reach their teens, you understand, you know, this is a challenge. And I believe that uh, Eve had challenges, you know, and I, I can't even imagine. What am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? I mean, all of those things. Did she blame herself for Cain? It wasn't her fault. But isn't that the battle we face as moms and dads and people in general? If somebody doesn't do what we think they should do, then we blame ourselves. We try to carry everybody's burdens, especially our kids. I think Eve found out these things, forgiveness, discipline, obedience, endurance. And maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you have stuff from the past, whether you're a mom, a dad, or just breathing and watching. Just stuff that's hard to go forward or present or just fear of the future. But if you are a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle and you have influence on a young person's life, that could be the greatest ministry you've ever been called to. You still have God, you still have today, and you still have forgiveness that is right at your fingertips. You have to nearly just, you just have to apply the blood of Jesus. Ask for forgiveness and let Jesus do what he did. So we've talked about Eve. Let's talk about Mary for just a second. The mother of redemption and salvation, King Jesus, was brought through her. And we learned three simple truths through Mary. Number one, her kids are important. They're pretty much her world. Isn't that what happens when you have children or you're a grandparent? And it, it is amazing how much the kids are part of your life. I mean, and so when, when things happen or, or they make decisions and they're, you know, they do whatever, you are part of that inside. You're cheering. You're in their cheering section, but some of those are harder for you to make because they don't always what you want inside or you want to say, I don't think that's the best one. But yet you still have to be that role. I think mothers carry a deep sense of pride for their children. I mean, they are bone of their bone, flesh of their flesh. Literally, Connected with mama in the womb for nine months. Something, thank God, us fellas don't have to go through. And men, you should say amen to that. <laughs> but I mean, if we think about that, think of just what Mary went through, through that entire pregnancy, the ridicule, the slander while pregnant with Jesus. The thing that mothers is just amazing, whether you're young or whether you're old, you're smart or dumb, pretty or just pretty ugly. Teasing. To a mother, you're always beautiful. Mama will always love you. I was an art student uh, through most of my high school years, and I made some really ugly tableware. Or I made a glass and I made a, I don't know what it was, but it, it looked like an elephant's foot, but it was some kind of a bowl. And the glass, it was hideous. 
I mean, it was, but I made it, you know, and, and I brought it home and I gave that to my mom. And my mom did not say to me, that is ugly. She did not say, what am I going to do with this? You know what she did? You know, because I'm like, it's a drinking glass. It did not look like a drinking glass. Matter of fact, it didn't look like much of anything. But this is what she did. She took that and she put that in the bathroom and put toothbrushes in it and made it a toothbrush holder. And so anybody that went into our bathroom, there were comments like, well, that's pretty unique. Where did you get that? And she would, as if it was something that Elvis had made or something, my son made that. Oh, Brett made that, to which I'm thinking they're like, oh, I could tell. But she never, she never said that. She said, my son made that. And the fact she displayed that so prominently in the football or the uh, elephant's foot, she put that on the coffee table for a while. I might have broke it on purpose because it was real ugly. I don't even know. And what made it worse is I love my mother, but a green thumb, she is not. She decided at one time, if you remember, she made a planter of it. She couldn't keep a plant alive if she gave it CPR. You know what I'm saying? It just wasn't, wasn't her gift. And so there'd be a dead plant laying in this football, or I keep saying football, this elephant's foot. It was just terrible. But anyway, she was so proud of that because I made those. That's something that a mother is just because you, again, now think about it. If you, you have a mom, you were, you were born with her. She was connected to you from the very beginning. And that is something that no one can take away. From the cradle to the cross, Mary treasured the life of her son, Jesus. Look at Luke 2, 16 through 19. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds' story were astonished, but... Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. It doesn't say that Mary gloated or bragged and said, that's right, see who God picked? There's no record of that. She kept those things in her heart about baby Jesus. And she had more reason than anyone else, if you think about it, to say, my son came to, to save the world. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. The Bible says that she treasured those. She thought about them. She pondered. She, she gave them thought in her heart. They were very precious to her. This is Luke 2, 41 through 52. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus, staying behind in Jerusalem, his parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, he asked. Don't you know that I must be in my father's house? They really didn't understand what he meant. He returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, and his mother stored all these things in her heart. 
Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and all people. And again, she thinks about these things that he said. I don't think that mothers understand every situation they go through with our children. They may not understand all of the things that happen or, or some of the trials that we face or they face as mothers, but they always cherish and treasure their kids because that is the gift that God has given them, and they've put that in their heart. My wife will remember details of stuff that the children have done or said or given her. Because it is something that she would look at often. How many, remember back in the day when we didn't have cell phones and you actually got pictures developed? And you put them in a photo album. Most, most people would be like, what the heck is a photo album? Well, it's an album with photos in it. I'm here to help you. But we have several of those at home. But it's hard to not look at those and they flood your mind with memories of just like, oh, I remember that. Remember this? and Or this was the Christmas of this year, or this is that first game they played, or this was that, or whatever that is. It's an amazing time. The second thing we learn from Mary is her life is challenging. I think mothers learn more about themselves when they raise their children. You find out what you thought you couldn't do, you can do. You do have what it takes. You don't have to be afraid, and you have God. We don't find those things out until we're kind of put to the test, do we? I mean, if we were to ask God for patience, how would he give those to us? How would he give us patience? He's going to set up things. That's going to, you're going to have to use that, that fruit, if you're a believer, that's put in there. Patience. You have to have a chance to exercise it. The third thing that Mary teaches us, I think, is her investment is worth it. The job pays off. Remember, raising your children is the richest, most fulfilling ministry you'll ever be called in life. So you need to enjoy it. How many in the building would say it was just seemed like the other day when your kids were just so small? And now, you know, my wife said today, our youngest is 25. 25? That's hard to swallow. So, Think about Mary's ministry. What a great ministry to raise Jesus, to love him, to teach him discipline, and to support him all the way to the cross. She had to watch people reject him and spit on him and beat him, tear his beard out, while she had to stand just a few feet away, supporting and loving him to the very end. That's something that just amazes me about a mother. My mom is 80 years old. She's with us today. And my mom would support me from who tied the pups to whatever. When I was a kid, we played flag football when I was in fifth grade. Vernon Elementary, which is on no longer there, was on South Grand. Now there's uh, condos there. But we played football, flag football. And I loved football. Thomas, yes, that guy's a football. He got, he's got some gifts. Anyway, back to my story. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> but um, playing football. And my mom had this incredible knack to yell at just the wrong time when no one else was saying a word. 
And it didn't matter if the score was 54 to nothing. We were getting beat. Well, it wasn't, but I mean, just it didn't matter. There'd be complete silence. Have you ever watched Don Knotts in that one movie where some guy goes, boy, Luther? Yes. My mom probably scripted for that movie. So it'd be totally quiet, and you would hear from the crowd, Go, Vernon! And it was just always at some time. And I remember getting to the huddle, and the guys were in the huddle, and the guy says, Whose mom keeps yelling, Go, Vernon? And I said, I don't know. (laughs) She would just be... So it'd just be incredible. It'd just be fun. But I said all that just to say this. Make no mistake about her loyalty and about her devotion to her children. What would keep Mary? I mean, think about, just think about this. Her son is going to die, and she she is not stopping it. There's no record of Mary saying to the guard or to anybody flogging him or anything, You lay another hand on him, and I'm going to lay a hand on you. There is no record of that because she knew what he came for. Because she was visited by God and knew how he got there. This morning, I want you to understand, everyone in the sound of my voice, you have a destiny. You have a purpose for being here. That God has got something in life for you. You're not just here to exist. You're not just here to make it until the end. But you're here because he wants you here. You you have a plan to fulfill. And if there's anybody that's going to believe in you, it's going to be a mama or a grandmama or a great-grandmama. Jesus was never too busy for his mother. In fact, during the most important thing in his life is the reason he came to save mankind He took time out really just to care for mom. John 19, 25 and 27, standing near the cross where Jesus' mom, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mom and his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, this is John, he said to her, dear woman, here's your son. And he said to this disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. He made sure His mom was taken care of. Moms are always there for you, rain or shine, in sickness and in health, to the very end. And that kind of makes us who we are. For this, we owe our mothers a great honor and respect. As we walk out the ministries that God has put in in our lives, I want us to always remember to bloom where you're planted because your mama put some good things in there. My, my mom helped plant me in the house of the Lord so I could flourish in the courts of my God. And then there's other things in my life that came along and were the miracle grow by the Holy Spirit and other people that God helped put into my life. Where are you this morning? Maybe you need to call mom. And maybe, like Pastor Kim said, You can't, but it's all right. You can still honor her by the things that she's done. I encourage you today, as we celebrate this Mother's Day, that you reach out 
If you're a mom and you said, Brett, you don't even know. I've, I've, I've made mistakes along the way. We, we all have. If we could go back, we'd do some things different. Kim and I would do some things different. I mean, we, we literally needed each other. We, we played off each other's strengths and, and weaknesses. I mean, my, my son Sam, I, I love him, all my kids with all my heart. Sam is extremely, he was very sensitive growing up. I could, I could look at Sam and say to him, I'm disappointed in you. And he'd have big crocodile tears. He would just, and it would just, you know, but he was, most of his growing up life was almost attached to my hip. If I was in the woods, he wanted to be in the woods. If I was cutting wood for the fireplace, he was wanting to cut wood. Zach was close to me as well, but not in the same way. They all had different things, you know. But I remember coming home one day, and, and I was trying to take care of Sam, and Sam was, I mean, telling me something, and I was buying every bit of it. And Kim stuck her head around the corner and said, he's lying. And I found out he, he wasn't telling me the truth. But, you know, he, he learned from that. And, and then, you know, I don't remember ever having a conversation like that with him again. But I wouldn't trade even some of those times with my children for anything. I have so many wonderful memories of, of my kids. You know, I was praying this morning and I said, God, I, I, I would love to. Could I have done more? Could Kim and I have done more? And I think we could always, as humans, say, yeah, we could have. But this is what he told me this morning. He said, the groundwork has been laid. And I'm very thankful for that. I had so much fun raising them. And I get to see my grandkids now. And I'm enjoying them. And I know grandparents, they say the great thing about grandkids is you get to give the kids back. I get that. But part of us right now is just kind of like, I don't want to give them back. I mean, you know what I mean? I just kind of, I like having them around me. I was just telling my son, Zach, I said, I just like having you near me. And he, he looked at me, kind of smiled, and I said, I'm serious. I said, I just like having you near me. I can't really explain it. It's just they help me cope some ways. Does that make sense? The Bible says that I am complete in him, meaning just God. The one thing I like about my wife is she doesn't complete me to that extent because God is the completer of that. But she stays with me because she wants to. That's a miracle in itself. <laughs> but one thing about my children is I don't care how old they've been, when I have been gone, sometimes I would just go to the office and back. Most, And I'd come in, they would yell, Daddy! And they would come and hug me. They did not care if anybody saw them. Even when they were in their teen years, and even as young adults, they would hug me. They do not. And it... It fulfills, it, it fills my heart up. So this morning, I just, I, I want you just to recognize, and maybe you say, you know, Brett, I, I, I didn't have the greatest childhood. Okay. What difference could you make going forward to those that could be benefiting from you? 
You know, if my parents could go back, they'd probably say, I wish I'd have did this different. I wish I'd have did this. But we can't go back, can we? You know, like Nicodemus told Jesus, I can't re-enter in my mother's womb. So we go forward. We learn, we put it to practice, and we go forward. I'm believing that this, the rest of this year will be an exemplary year for you. I believe this is going to be a great year for God and his church. I know there's a lot of stuff going on, and some of it doesn't look pretty, but I'm telling you, he's still on the throne. I'm telling you, he still rules and he still reigns, and nobody can dethrone him. So it doesn't matter who's in the White House. I know who's in the big house. God is good, and he's greatly to be praised. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes?